From a KEYT story, Goleta, California. An animal shelter volunteer is going above and beyond to find a dog named Courage a home. The three-year-old dog came to the Santa Barbara County Animal Services as a stray. He bonded with a volunteer named Shelly Greenbaum. Greenbaum visited an animal communicator who told her that Courage is meant to be in a home with a yoga instructor. This influenced Greenbaum to reach out to people and organizations to create a free yoga class to introduce Courage to yogis. The yoga class was held at the Santa Barbara Humane Society in Goleta. While yogis stretched, Courage walked around the room greeting each person with a kiss. the story. Welcome back to the Townies podcast. I am Kim Maxwell and I am a townie. I am a townie who loves other people's stories. I teach a weekly writing and performance workshop here in my ridiculously small fishbowl of a town nestled in the foothills of Ventura County. And for 25 years, the raw and vulnerable musings of my brilliant and courageous students have sent me home filled with hope. Some of my beloved students are seasoned professionals. Some have never even been on a stage before. But there they are, up in front of a live audience, flinging themselves and their brand new words into the abyss. Their reward? They have been heard. They matter. Their words matter. And the audience? Well, they have just officially been granted permission to do the same. To go out there somewhere and take a big old risk. And that is the sacred exchange between terrified storyteller and gracious audience member. Permission. I love people's stories. Because stories are what connect us. This is the Townies Podcast. Welcome to the Neighborhood. Episode 15, Give a Little Love. Starting us off with a bang this week, Boss of Me, written and performed by Quinn Van Oker. This high school sophomore is an alternative hair color wearing, alternative music listening, and alternative school attending genius girl. She is obsessed with the fab movie icons of yesteryear, Saturday Night Live, and being true to her bad self. Interior, Jim and Rob's. (laughs) Quinn is having lunch with her friends Maisie, Jane, Charlie, and Luca. All the girls talk and laugh and are having a great time. They are seated in the big, weird, annoying corner booth (laughs) with the table that is way too small for the number of seats. (laughs) Quinn nods and appears to be participating in the conversation. Let's call this version of Quinn, Regular Quinn. Regular Quinn glances to the side and notices a slightly older, more mature, confident, all-knowing, and just generally fabulous version of Quinn. Let's call this version of Quinn, Worldly Quinn. (laughs) Worldly Quinn is better dressed than regular Quinn, 
like if regular Quinn had a million dollars and all she did was shop in Milan. <laughs> she is skinnier and longer as if regular Quinn had been stretched and her face is regular Quinn's but just somehow better. <laughs> Worldly Quinn with her long, tastefully curly Veronica Lake styled hair jumps up and perches atop the booth seats. She lands perfectly in her fab Stuart Weitzman knee-high boots. <laughs> she gracefully and confidently straddles both sides of the booth. The volume of the friend's conversation fades, and Worldly Quinn speaks. <laughs> Just make the friggin' decision. I cannot believe you are still contemplating this. For your information, not even that hard. Oh my god, how long is this going to take? Just do it. Do something. Geez, girl, I thought after our last chat you weren't going to be so self-conscious. This is a problem. Setback. <laughs> Honey, we obviously have some work to do. All right, I'm going to lay down the law. Number one, you are gorgeous. No, you are not friggin' Gigi Hadid. <laughs> but Gigi Hadid is not even Gigi Hadid. It's called Photoshop. <laughs> Welcome to reality. And do you really want to be part of Taylor Swift's squad? No. <laughs> Damn it, girl, let's make our own squad. I'll call up a few people. I'm sure we could recruit Debbie Reynolds. It might be a little complicated due to recent events, but I'm sure we could pull it off and she would love to join. <laughs> Two, you're smart. Deal with it. I mean, I realize maybe spelling is not your game. So just don't spell anything out loud. You're so smart that Einstein wishes he was you. That's a bit of a stretch, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> stupid girls? So passe. Boys don't like stupid girls anyway. Okay, fine. Some do. <laughs> okay, a lot do. But you don't want to be with them. Not the classiest of citizens. You do you, boo. Three. You're funny, like Kristen Wiig funny, like Amy Poehler funny, like Lucille Ball funny, what? You're killing it! Now, back to my original point. You're great, and whatever you do, do it awesome. Don't ever lower your expectations. Let's be done second-guessing yourself. Let's be done wondering if you shouldn't have said that. Let's be done with the whole being scared thing. This is a place where I would say something like, be more like me. <laughs> but I mean, for the love of life, Quinn, wake up. You are me. <laughs> We're not separate people. I'm literally you. <sighs> Mamma mia, is that the time? Well, I have to go. I'm meeting Meryl in Greece for a little girl's vacay. <laughs> Get it? Mamma mia. <laughs> Anywho, it's a little breaky break before I start shooting my next film. It already has Oscar buzz, and I haven't even made it yet. Can you believe this? And Lauren Michaels has been bugging me all week for new skit ideas for Saturday. Needy. I mean, what is this life? I swear. Look, before I go, you're great, Quinn. You're my muse. I'm your biggest fan. 
Everything you want to do, I want to do. Quinn, just remember, we're the same. I live in you, and we will never be apart. My Quinn, my little darling Quinny snuggly bunny of cuteness. <laughs> I will never get tired of talking to you. Quite literally, you are my everything. <laughs> Eventually, you will do everything I have done, but you are the perfect version of yourself right now. Okay, well, I really do have to go. And Tia, that's Greek for ta-ta. <laughs> oh, and by the way, don't ever call us regular Quinn again. Exit worldly Quinn. Not regular Quinn, just Quinn. <laughs> Returns to Jim and Rob's reality as the volume of the conversation fades back up. Quinn looks different. She sits up a little straighter, maybe even a little confident, and she smiles. End of scene. You just heard from Quinn Vinoker. Circle of Life, written and performed by Megan Berkvist. A professional multitasker with the most can-do attitude I have ever known. All hazard to say that there is nothing Miss Megan can't do. What an amazing 20-something years it has been knowing you. I love the early morning hours at the hospital. I'm usually one of the first ones in the lobby, and very often I am the only one there for at least an hour or so. It's quiet, and I have time to get everything ready for yet another beautiful day. <laughs> I begin my morning ritual of setting up, making the coffee, arranging the flowers, picking up the pastries from the security office where they're delivered every morning at 5 a.m., and then checking them to make sure everything is accounted for after that little incident a few months back where they accidentally ate them all. <laughs> oh, anyway, it was a typical morning and everything was going perfectly until this man runs through the double doors a little out of breath and says, Mi esposa, she's, she's having a baby. Necesita uno sillo de ruedas. I love that I work in a multicultural environment <laughs> and appreciate any opportunity to practice my language skills. <laughs> Felicidades! Sia de Ruertes, Sia de... Oh! You need a wheelchair. There's one right over there. Esta allá! <laughs> Gracias, he says, and he grabs a wheelchair and takes off at a pretty good speed out the door. I go back to making my flavored coffee. It was Highlander Grog, kind of a mapley, nutty blend. <laughs> Delightful. <laughs> I see this all the time with these worried fathers-to-be. Part for the course, I guess. But then five minutes went by, and he hadn't come back in, so I was beginning to get a little bit worried. So I decided to check outside in the circular driveway to see what was taking them so long. So I go out and do a visual scan of the area, and I see no sign of them. He probably just took her straight to the ER. Perfect. All was well. So I return to the coffee cart to continue my preparations. 
setting out the cream and sugar, making sure that the lids are easily accessible and in all the right places. <laughs> Three minutes later, he runs through the door at top speed, yelling, Ayuda, ayuda, por favor, I can't get her into the chair. There was something very different about his voice this time. Like the difference you can hear when a child's crying because they've had their toy taken away and when a phlebotomist is chasing around the lab with a needle. (laughs) Intuitively, I say, yes, yes, of course I can help you. So he ran and I walked swiftly with purpose, (laughs) as they instruct us to do at the hospital safety orientation. (laughs) Running just gets people into trouble and causes panic. (laughs) So out we go through the double doors and into the circular driveway. Surely between the two of us, we could get her from the car and into the chair. I could see it now, the, the wheelchair parked next to the blue car with a woman standing next to it, And as I got closer, I saw that she was actually crouching over it, bracing herself with her hands on the arms of the chair. Her face was contorted into this look of intense pain, and there were tears. She seemed a little relieved when she saw me, and I was happy that I was there to help. I touched her shoulder to let her know that all would be well. I was glad that the powers that be had brought me to her in that moment to be the even keel on this stormy day in her life. she She then leaned towards me and softly uttered those four little words that, as a coffee lady... I never want to hear at 7 a.m. while standing in the circular driveway. She said, I feel the head. (laughs) Holy shit! So I take off running. And and I know that this clearly goes against everything that I've been taught, but I am inspired both by her words and by the thought of a baby making his way headfirst into this world and splatting on the pavement outside of the hospital. So I run like Flojo on steroids. From the circular driveway, back through the double doors, into the lobby, where I see the sacred black phone. You see, there's this special phone in the hospital, and it's at the information desk, and it's to be used only when there's an emergency, and there's no human being present. So it's like a magical phone, and you can just pick it up, and this all-knowing, godlike voice will come on the line and help you. So I pick it up and hear, Operator. Oh, oh, hey, hi, operator. Yeah, this is Megan, the coffee lady from the, from the rescue cafe in the lobby. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to let you know there's a lady that's about to have a baby in the circular driveway right now. All right, one moment, please. <laughs> After what seemed like forever, this insanely calm voice answers, Hello, emergency room. It was like a weird cross between Nurse Ratchet and Siri. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, hi, it's Megan, the coffee lady from the rescue cafe in the lobby. Yeah, yeah, there's a woman who's in the circular driveway and she's about to have a baby. And yeah, did you call labor and delivery? No, no, I'm the coffee lady. I don't know. I don't know protocol. I just know that this is an emergency. So I called you the emergency room. She can feel the head. Okay, we'll get someone right on it. So I hang up, and I am Lindsay Wagner in The Bionic Woman, who also lived in Ojai, by the way. (laughs) And just as I get there, she lets out this agonizing, blood-curdling, Ah! 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 
though I have never actually given birth myself, I have been present for the deliveries of several of my friends' births. And I have never heard screams like that, except maybe in horror films or Lifetime movies for women. But when my friends were in labor, they were lying on cozy beds with soft music playing and, and, and experienced labor and delivery staff and doulas, for God's sakes, not crouched over a wheelchair in the circular driveway with a friggin' coffee lady and a freaked-out father-to-be. She grabs my hand, and out of the corner of my eye, I see movement coming from the area of the ER. Thank God. Reinforcements were coming. Judging by the number of people, it seemed like somebody must have called a code stork. That is a paging system call that goes out to the whole hospital, letting everybody know that a birth is happening now. And I'm not sure if it was the stress or the fact that I just spent the past three days with my five-year-old niece, but this mass of bodies moving towards us looked eerily like the cast of The Lion King. <laughs> I, could see, I could see Simba and Nala, these happy-go-lucky nurses. Oh, and Timon and Pumbaa, the goofy security guards, and those wild hyenas, the orderlies pushing the wheelchairs all crazy. Wait, wait. Wheelchairs? No, no, she needs a gurney. She can feel the head. (laughs) So they spin around and go back towards the ER as the other characters just keep coming. And the closer... uh, (laughs) And at the back, I see the Lion King, Dr. Pompa, the hot new ER doctor with the great hair. (sighs) Yummy. (laughs) And just as they are about to trample us, she grabs my shirt pulls me close to her, and timidly says, I think I just soiled myself. It's okay, honey. Me too. (laughs) And with that, they are on us. And and she is inundated with blood pressure cups and monitors and tubes, and arms are lifting her onto the gurney, and I am squeezed out by the crowd. So I find myself running back to the lobby, though at this point, I don't know why I'm running. (laughs) But I can't stop. The adrenaline has taken me over. And I am filled and all aflutter with adrenaline and excitement and accomplishment and terror and nervousness. Within a minute, the double doors burst open and, and the entourage whisks her by me and rounds the corner towards labor and delivery. My people are on their way to a safe birth. Yes. Yes, they are. (laughs) A feeling of pride wells up in me, and I see Dr. Pompa, the last one in this parade of fellow rescuers. He is calm and steady as he follows. Together, we have averted disaster. Together, we have saved a life. It really does take a village. (laughs) As he passes the cart, our eyes meet, and I see his blue gloved hand move towards me. Ah, the the high five, the pop culture sign of teamwork and oneness. He wants to give me the honor of the high five. And just as my hand goes out to meet his, he flings off his glove, shoots it into the trash can behind me, and says, she wasn't even crowning. I checked. Oh. And then he just struts down the hall, texting. (laughs) um, I didn't know what to say I mean 
she could feel the head, right? <laughs> Immediately, I go into my default mode and begin manically cleaning the cart. <laughs> As usual, after the fact, a barrage of witty comebacks run through my head. Okay, Dr. Pompass. Dr. Jackass. Dr. Dumbass. Oh, okay, I, I guess I forgot to do a pelvic exam because... Oh, yeah, I'm the coffee lady. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> and then I see one of the labor and delivery nurses coming towards me from down the hall. Great. Hey, everyone labor and delivery is talking about you. <laughs> yeah, same what? That I'm an idiot. <laughs> that I'm a major overreactor. That I wasted everybody's time and resources. Uh, no. Saying that you saved that baby's life. What? Yeah, within 30 seconds of getting to that room, that baby was out. Oh my God. I had to catch him myself because Dr. Pompa was still in the hallway texting. Oh my God. Yes, yes, a perfectly healthy baby. I wouldn't be surprised if they named it after you. Well, I got to get back. Good work. Thanks. Nice catch. And I watched her walk down the hall. I saved a life today. I saved a life today. (laughs) And all is well for little Megan Martinez. That was Megan Burkfist. And now, Rain Perry with Airborne from her album, Cinderblock Bookshelves. All the things I could do Instead of railing at you Instead of talking about you Talking about you I finished turning inside out I'm ready now to fly But I've stayed too long in my cocoon And now my wings are dry I'm stuck to it Each time my words turn 
of the things that you've done I can see it going that way So if I get this out I get it right Maybe I can finally let it be And see the world through my own two eyes Not through the veil of you and me Just a To learn more about the artists and music featured on the Townies podcast, please visit thetowniespodcast.org. Three-Legged Cat, written and performed by Darren Hope. With her very own thriving Ojai business, her profound knowledge of every swimming hole in the area, and her rooftop visited only by the truest of locals, Darren is every inch an Ojai Townie. There's a three-legged cat that lives next door to me. She frequents the hot black spiraling staircase that leads up to my roof. I often stumble over her on my way up to catch some sun myself. She lounges with hedonistic abandon, rolling herself from side to side over the space where her now phantom limb was once a very real appendage. She's far from a sorry sight, and she seems to revel in her lack, flaunting her nubbed shoulder blade at me as I pass, then pressing it flush to the stair beneath her, searing her side body with the radiant wrought iron heat. Girlfriend makes amputation look good. Yes, Gachinia looks like she was born to have three, but as one might imagine, her transition to tripod was not immediately met with sunbasking delight. <laughs> After surviving the initial incident, in which her right forepaw was flattened from the shoulder down by a ferocious rubber tire, she spent two weeks fighting a losing battle with a, with a foul-smelling case of gangrene. Bandaged and despondent, she watched her human arduously waver over the decision to amputate or end her altogether. Home from the hospital, she woke sleepy but startled to a clumsy new sense of weight distribution. 
the metal gate to her kitty carrier squeaked open. The house was made quiet and warm with countless offerings of food and affection to coax her out of her den, her despair. After days of no response, Gachinia's human finally noticed her emerging from her resting place. It was sad and awkward as she painstakingly moved what remained of her in a slow but steady trajectory to her litter box, where her hum- to her human's dismay, she proceeded to listlessly make a new bed, seeming to feel a more appropriate sense of belonging in her former shit receptacle. <laughs> The details of Gachinia's road to recovery from this point on are unknown to me, and largely unknown to her human. At a certain point, especially with a $3,000 vet bill to pay, a human must return to her work and trust that one day she'll come home to a cat who's found her way out of the litter box. (laughs) I do wish I knew more about Gachinia's mysterious return from rock bottom, the actual moment when despair boomeranged back from the dark empty as acceptance the will to live rather than lay lame. Perhaps in her medicated haze, she saw the light or a giant feline in the sky spoke to her, assuring her there would be better days. Or maybe her human just cracked open a can of tuna at the exact moment her pain had ebbed just enough and suddenly she was salivating again and there it was, the desire to move. Maybe in this case, being a survivor is more about patience than fighting a good fight. What I do know is, Gachinia is not only surviving, she is thriving and using her remaining front paw to fuck with me on a regular basis. <laughs> her signature move, a bunny-like hind leg balance, her eyes locked on mine, her dexterous front arm giving a casual shove to whatever coffee cup or other breakable object is nearest the edge of my coffee table. I swear, I've seen her wink at me after she does this. <laughs> As I sweep up the broken ceramic shards, laughing and cursing at her, I I pause for a moment to take in the grandeur of this little animal. Despite, or or is it because of, her unique configuration, adversity looks good on her. (laughs) Apparently, loss doesn't have to make you smaller. Parts of ourselves we thought we couldn't live without can be taken from us in a split second, and while it might change our shape forever, the volume of our spirit, that can't be diminished. We heal simply by occupying our new shape, our soul congealing into a more potent fuel than ever to animate our busted earthly vessels. In time, we find ourselves at home again in our skin, on the roof, and the sun shining. You were listening to Darren Hope. Closing out this week's episode, Color, written and performed by Eve Senstocken. Eve has spent her entire childhood hiking and horseback riding every square inch of the Ojai Valley. She knows it in a way the rest of us can only aspire to. The parallel universe of my life is where I am Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) But the condescending female art nerd version of Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) But trapped in Ojai when she should obviously be living in London. (laughs) When I watch 
the old movies, but especially when I watched the new Benedict Cumberbatch super bitchy Sherlock. <laughs> I relate to him on, oh, so many levels. <laughs> like the whole not understanding sarcasm thing. Or like when he doesn't want to explain things because he's already worked it out in his head. Or, like, missing every single social cue in a 20-block radius. <laughs> Out of every character I've ever seen or read, we have an understanding. <laughs> Eve Sainz-Dakin is retarded. Yep, I said it. The word that is worse than any weapon. The word that I am most insecure about. My entire life, I've encountered that word one way or another. Some of my friends joke about it. Sometimes, total strangers do. Some are people who were just acquaintances who didn't know I had autism. That word brought me little deaths throughout my entire life. Because to me, I don't think, oh, they must not realize the weight of the word. To me, I think about all the times I said things in the wrong order, or words I used incorrectly, like a mini-review of every mistake I've ever made. It's the only word that makes me cry. It makes me doubt myself completely. I see myself as Sherlock Holmes, like if I never got better and never got help with autism. To be honest, when I was young, I hated most people. <laughs> I couldn't sympathize or empathize with them or understand their social cues. The whole why people are so cruel to each other thing escaped me. I just didn't understand. I still struggle with it. I sort of saw people as objects moving. That's how Sherlock does it. Stomachs it. All the awful stuff he sees, he looks at people as an artist does. This person needs more shading and color. This background isn't right. This person is missing something that could better define what she wants in the picture. But what? I understand the all-encompassing boredom when Sherlock Holmes isn't solving a mystery. Please don't panic when I tell you this. I've never done it. <laughs> but I, I understand why Sherlock was shooting bullets into the wall he had painted with a yellow smiley face. I understand when he started laughing hysterically because finally something interesting was happening. I know the thrill and exhilaration of that laugh and wanting to run into action. Some people don't say the R word directly, but they imply it. One time, at a wedding, I have no idea how, but a woman found out I had autism. This woman came up to my dad, never once looking at me, just my dad, and recommended a hospital for people like me. People like me. You mean delicious people? <laughs> <laughs> like, 
like a hospital for delicious people. <laughs> like there are delicious boys roaming the halls. <laughs> no? I wish I would have said something like that, but I was 12. Okay, so maybe I'm not actually Sherlock. Maybe I just hope there is a Sherlock Holmes in my psych somewhere. Like, just hanging around in there. Maybe because all the times I was called the R-word. Maybe because I want everything I've been through to mean something. Or maybe because somewhere, with all the other things Holmes struggled with, there is a genius. So maybe there is no alternate reality or parallel universe. Maybe the high-functioning autistic girl understands the high-functioning sociopath. Albert Einstein, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, Michelangelo, Emily Dickinson. A number of studies suggest that these great minds were most likely autistic. What would our world look like without the layers and colors and words and art and music and theories and E equals MC squared people? E equals MC squared. I just recently accepted who I am. I'm autistic and I've had to work my ass off to be where I am now. But every day I think about the kids with mental disabilities that didn't grow up in a quiet, sheltered hometown. Who didn't have the mom I did, who went to hell and back so I could stand here in front of all of you and express myself? They most likely didn't have a dad that taught them to dance to Once Upon a Dream while standing on his toes. Or a sister that called a certain writing acting coach in Ojai to make sure her fabulous little sister got in her class. <laughs> I think of those kids every day. How they deserve resources and a teacher's love and kindness in a world where the R word no longer exists. Change starts with one person. Maybe we could use that word a little less. Everyone has a purpose in the world. Everyone wants to be special, different. If everyone was the same, we'd live a very bland, colorless life. I want a world of color. A world filled to the brim with color, kindness, and respect. No matter who you are, or where you come from, or even if you look at life a different way. Eve Senstocken. That was amazing. I'm from here. Here's the story. Please join us every other Tuesday for a new round of freshly minted stories. I am Kim Maxwell of Kim Maxwell Studio. And we teach people to launch their stories loudly and unapologetically into the world. To laugh more, risk more, and have bigger lives. The Townies Podcast is co-produced by Lily Brown, Asa Larmonth, and Ken Eros. Studio engineering and mixing by Eros Creative and Sound. The Townies theme song was written and performed by Rain Perry, recorded and mixed by Martin Young, and mastered by Mark Hallman at the Congress House. The Townies podcast is in part made possible by a generous grant from the Ojai Arts Commission and the City of Ojai, a small town with big stories.
You can find out more about us at thetowniespodcast.org. Thank you for listening. (laughs) I'm having a Led Zeppelin moment, Ken. Nevertheless. (laughs) A polite Canadian Led Zeppelin moment, eh? How's it going? Here, I'm just going to carry the television set and leave it down on the street, eh? I'm going to move the television from this table to that table, eh? That'll throw him. No, no, no. Put it back, Ken. That's rude, eh? (laughs) 